Hello, I'm Leanne Townsend, the owner of Townsend Family Law and an experienced family law lawyer practicing in all areas of divorce law in the city of Toronto. Welcome to Divorcing Well. In this week's episode, our topic is the power of mindset, mindset in overcoming divorce. And I'm really excited to have as my guest, Hassana Elamine. Uh, hopefully I pronounced your name correctly. I know we were just chatting about it before coming <laughs> on, but welcome to the podcast. Thank you. It's a pleasure. And you did pronounce it correctly. <laughs> Perfect. Um, why don't we start by having you tell listeners a little bit about yourself and your background? Okay, well, um, my name is Hassan Alamin, as um, Leanne said, and I am a divorce coach. I help um, women overcome overwhelm and gain clarity and be able to create the life of their dreams. And my background is basically, um, I got divorced probably now about going on two years now. And at that time, I found myself in a foreign country with six children and trying to figure out what to do, how to get over the overwhelm and the fear that I was feeling being in that type of situation. I had no idea where to go or even how to, to start the process of rebuilding my life. And especially being in, you know, away from home, I'm an American, but I was living overseas um, with, you know, none, none of my family there except for my children and ex-husband. So um, that was, you know, my my most recent background in reference to that. Um, Throughout that time, I managed to empower myself and change my mindset because, again, I was living in a country that um, expats were not allowed to work unless they were the one who came there. If the expat came and they were the one who was hired by that country, then they could work. But if you came as a spouse or child or any other um, family member, you were not allowed to work there. Wow. So how long had you been married? I have been married 21 years. Wow. And what were the like at the time when you uh, separated, what were the ages of your six children? At the time that I separated, um, one of them, she passed away. Her name, um, she passed away in May and um, she was eight years old. Two older sons, one was 16, the other was 14, one was 12, and then my other daughter uh, was 13 at the time. And wow. my young and my youngest was two years old. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So you're living in a foreign country. You can't work. You have six children ranging from two to, you know, teenagers. That's a lot for someone to have to deal with. So how did you manage? Well, the first thing that I did, honestly, Leanne, is started working on my mindset because at the this the point that I was at, there was really nothing that I knew of that I could do. So I knew, well, the first, my mindset is what got me in this. I was able to look back and see the pattern and see I had a certain way of thinking. And that certain way of thinking allowed me to, one, choose uh, this person as a spouse who had narcissistic tendencies. You know, so I, I looked at my past and I looked at the pattern and I said, okay, I had this way of thinking and this way of thinking got me this far. So now I'm going to have to change the way I'm thinking and change my mindset if I want to be able to create something different. So I I started there. Was it your decision to end the marriage or was it mutual Mm, or his decision? That's a really good question. It was kind of like like this. 
two years prior to um, him pronouncing the divorce, I had already made the decision that I wanted out of the situation. So I started working on my exit plan, started trying to figure out what I could do to get out of the situation. Um, So I would say that I made the decision. But once he realized that um, I was pretty set on that decision, then he's the one who actually said the divorce. Because from a religious perspective, um, in my religion, which is Islam, um, the man can say that he he can say out of his mouth that he divorces you. Okay. Yeah. And so um, they they can he can say it for up to three times. Okay. But he can't do all at one time. Okay. It doesn't work like that. But he can say he divorces you. And for the first two times, he if he wants to and you agree, he can take you back. But for the third time, if he says it, he cannot take you back, it's over. Okay. So that's and that's totally separate from the legal part, obviously. Like that's right, right. Religious divorce element. Right. This is the religious divorce element. But because the country that I was in is and is a Muslim country, they do follow the religious part of that, but you still have to actually physically go down and, you know, just like in America, you know, you have to go files, have a judge rule and all of that. So he called for the divorce. I initiated the divorce because he knew that I wasn't happy. And I had already been in my own room for two years before he even called for the divorce. Okay. So I was sleeping, you know, completely separated from him. So I already started to put up boundaries to just to protect me and to protect my children. Now, were you in a country um, as well? Like I know some of the Middle Eastern countries and whatnot, you know, sometimes the rights of women are not what they are uh, in you know, Canada or United States. It, it, was it like that where you were? Um, I was in Saudi Arabia. Okay. And I would say that, no, I feel like women have a lot of rights there. That's a good. lot of rights. Um yeah. I found the court system to be really, really good. Um, they ruled in my favor. Um, they were very upset um, with my ex-husband and his you know, treatment of me and the children. Um, and just in general, I feel like whatever challenges I had living there wasn't due to the fact that I'm a woman. It was due to the fact that I was, I was an ex-hat. <laughs> right, okay. Right, right. So no, I found this to be... Um, very, very good. And not just for me, even the women there, it's, it's not really how people think that it is. Like yeah. The women in Saudi, they, they work, they have businesses. They're quite free. I mean, they were late to driving. <laughs> they were late on that, <laughs> that part of it. But everything else, um, it seems to be on par. Well, that's good. Now, are, where are you now? Are you still, are you back in the U.S. or where are you located Oh, actually, um, I, a few months ago, I was able to move me and my children to Egypt. Oh, wow. I to come so I'm to talking Egypt. to you in Egypt right now. Yes, I'm in Egypt that's right amazing. now. Yeah, mm-hmm. That's amazing. That's that's really amazing. I think that you are the first guest that I've interviewed uh, in Egypt. So oh. uh, that's exciting. <laughs> <laughs> um, now, I mean, it must have been hard. I, you know, you're you're in a, a marriage that sounds like there was an abusive element to it. If he's a narcissist, yes. Um, I, you know, I, I know from you know my dealings with lots of clients who are in those types of relationships that you know one of the elements that happens is the narcissist whittles down your self esteem. 
uh, makes you feel very disempowered because they have to be, you know, the one with all the power. So it, it couldn't have been easy um, to to do what you have done. So, and it couldn't have just been something that you know you just snapped your fingers and your mindset immediately changed. Like there must have been a process. And so, how did you you know begin the process, and how did you you know actually do it? The first thing I did was I began the process just reading everything I could about the subconscious mind and how the subconscious mind is is formed when it starts, how you begin to develop these beliefs. So at that point, then I recognized, okay, so I need to go in and just completely reprogram my mind. So I started with affirmations. I started with affirmations and I started reading anything that I could get my hands on that was just about positive thinking, a positive mindset, and just rebuilding the subconscious mind. And not only did I do that for myself, but I had my children um, also listening to different uh, meditations because I knew from them being in that environment, it was definitely necessary for them to begin reprogramming as well. But keep in mind that the process for me, it didn't start at the time of the divorce. I already prior to that, already started to begin rebuilding my mindset. And actually, um, I had invited my ex-husband to go on that journey with me. Oh, wow. Um, Did he take you up on it? (laughs) No, absolutely not. Absolutely not. Well, I I mean, I think that's really interesting because like that you were able to do that while you were still in the relationship, because, you know, sometimes we, you know, they hear the, the, I don't know, the quote or whatever that, you know, it's hard to change like if you're in a very negative, bad environment, it's very hard to make the changes that you need to make. And, and clearly you were able to do that. So if someone out there is listening and they're in a you know, bad marriage or potentially an abusive marriage and they're not in a position, you know, whether it's for financial reasons or whatever it might be that they can leave today, but they want to and they're feeling disempowered and they're feeling like they're afraid to, they're, you know, they're afraid to leave as well, afraid of how they're going to, you know, survive and, and all of that. You know, it, it, it sounds, you know, what can they do? I mean, you've outlined a little bit of what you did. You read a lot, you were doing affirmations. Um, what are, you know, so what do you say to someone like that who feels like, you know, hopeless that they can't afford to leave? They're stuck in this situation. They don't feel like they have any power. What do they do? I would say the first thing for them to do is just learn everything that they can about their mind and the way that their minds work and about their subconscious mind and about limiting beliefs. So how do they do that? How do they learn about it? How can they learn about it? Yeah. They can do all sorts of, you can go to YouTube there. You can find information on YouTube. You have um, books by people like Joseph Murphy, um, the power of the subconscious mind. They can just do a regular Google search, the power of the subconscious mind, the power of um, affirmations. And they can just start with also just some general affirmations. Like when I first began, I started with just general affirmations that almost probably everybody on the planet needs to do because regardless of what your background is, even if you have a, a perfect marriage, a perfect childhood, you still have programming just from society in general. So they could start with some basic ones like I'm worthy, I'm deserving, I'm worthy of love. They can start with just those basic ones to start to just rebuild their their self-concept. And as they're 
um, esteem and their self-concept grows, they'll be able to discover more ways and be able to begin to get themselves out of the situation. Um, I know for me, one big motivating factor for me was that I was sure about the power of reprogramming my mind because from a religious perspective, um, we believe that the way that you think of the creator is the way that he is to you. Okay. So that was very powerful for me in knowing that reprogramming my mind would be the answer. Because at that point, I had a very, um, I didn't have a good enough opinion of the creator and what he wanted for me. So your religion, I guess, like helped you. Mm -hmm. Because I would, I would use, whenever I read anything or learned anything, I would look at it and say, okay, well, what does my religion say about this? And everything that I found supported that being positive and being optimistic and having a good opinion is definitely what we should be doing. Did you have any other support? Like, did you have, you know, family or friends or coaches yourself, like supporting you or were you really? No, I I was my coach. Wow. That's amazing. And as a matter of fact, honestly, um, I found it a little lonely because when you start to think differently and most of the people around you don't, you're the strange one. Yeah. No, that's very hard. It's very hard when, you know, when people are growing and changing and they're outgrowing the people in their environment who, who, who probably don't like the fact that they're, you know, growing. So I'm sure the people around you, you know, noticed you changing and didn't like the fact that you're getting stronger and having more self-esteem and, you know, perhaps having boundaries or things like that. So how did you deal with that? Well, one big person that I can think of that had an issue when I was going through the process would be um, my ex-husband. That was really challenging because I put up lots of boundaries there. You know, just in the beginning, he was just so upset and just trying to draw me back into, you know, just how things used to be. Um, It was challenging, but I knew that I had to hold my ground in order to, one, be able to get out of the situation um, and just to protect myself. And as far as friends, I would kind of talk to them and just, you know, bring them on board. And if not, like, I didn't end the relationship, but it kind of just faded on its own. We need to talk about the holidays and divorce. It's a stressful time for families, especially when alcohol is involved and our friends at Soberlink want to help. Soberlink has teamed up with me, Leanne Townsend, along with other divorce and family law experts to provide information you didn't know that could provide peace of mind during the holidays. For those who still haven't heard about Soberlink, it is the solution for you if you're going through a divorce and custody case involving alcohol. Whether you are falsely accused of alcohol use or are concerned about your child's safety because of the other parent's alcohol use, Soberlink can help. Soberlink works hard to keep children safe, offering a remote alcohol monitoring system that is the gold standard because of its technology. Don't miss out on Soberlink's free guide for the upcoming holiday season. Request it today at www.soberlink.com backslash divorcing-well. 
Now, when you finally like left the relationship, how did you financially, like, I, I don't know if in, ter- if in terms of your settlement or whether your, your ex-husband had to pay support or whether you got a job, like, how did you deal with the financial part of things? Um, actually, Leanne, for the first, like, um, I say a year and a half, because I just moved to Egypt. So I'll say maybe a little longer than a year and a half. I was actually living in the same um, apartment uh, that my ex-husband lived in, but I had uh, switched out the locks and everything. So he could not access my side and I couldn't access his side. And we had different uh, doors, you know, front doors. So me and my children were just on that other side. And um, I started a business, um, which was amazing, to be honest with you, because the country that I was in, you you are not allowed to have any earn any income or have any businesses or do anything like that there. So I was actually able to start my business and um, register my business and everything in the United States, okay, yeah. while still living, um, you know, in Saudi Arabia. So I, I started that process and I was working my business um, when I was there, but. And honestly, I I didn't see it be fruitful financially. So what was just happening is that um, my ex was sending some money. He was sending some, but it was not enough. To be honest with you, it definitely was not enough. And if I'm honest, the community helped me quite a bit. That's great. Now, um, what when you started this business, was it the the same business you have now, like the divorce coaching, or was that a different business? Eventually it was, but when I first started, it was um, which I still have, which are um two online stores. Okay. Is what I began with. Um, yeah, one of them is for women's clothing, and then the other one just for um household items, toys, clothing, a little a general store. Do you still have those two businesses as well? Absolutely, I do. That's amazing. Um, Now with your, your coaching business, um, what's your typical client that you're helping in your coaching business? What's their, their profile? Um, Well, honestly, when I, especially when I first started, when I was there in Saudi, my typical client, especially then were women who unfortunately were married to more narcissistic um, partners. And um, they were not in the divorce process yet from a, a legal perspective though for many of them, it had been pronounced, um, you know, from their husbands, but not from a legal area. So they were kind of, you know, like navigating, still being in the situation. Um, And at that point, it kind of just started because one, um, before that, I'm actually a personal trainer and wellness coach, health and wellness coach. So they already were familiar with me, with me helping them with um, fitness and exercise and meal plans and things like that, coaching them in that area. But once I was going through my divorce, you know, and I'm getting myself mentally fit, they just started to come and just ask questions or tell me their situation and just just look to me as inspiration um, because they saw what I had been through and was currently going through. So that's kind of how I became inspired to say, you know what? I actually, I, I want to become, um, you know, a life coach. I definitely want to do this. So it was kind of just a natural thing. And honestly, it was something that I kind of had been doing um, all along because even when I was married, I would, you know, talk to the, the women in my circle about, you know, just marriage and husbands and, you know, just how to try to be. 
Now, in terms of your clients, are they, do they tend to be people who are also in the Middle East or do you have clients all over the world? Or? No, yeah, I deal with clients all over the world, yeah, all that's over the amazing. world. Yes. And they're in different stages. Um, some of them, like I said, when I first started, it was more so women who were still married, but now it's women who, you know, have, have been divorced and are, you know, just trying to rebuild their lives after the fact. Well, what I think is interesting is, you know, because I have some clients here in Canada um, who are who are Muslim or, you know, who are from, you know, all kinds of religion and, and culture um, in my client base. And, you know, sometimes within certain like within each religion or culture, there can be certain dynamics that you know, take place that are not the same, um, you know, for someone like of my background when I went through divorce. And so I think it's fantastic um, for you as a, as a Muslim woman to be offering coaching because I haven't come across uh, a divorce coach before um, who who would understand the way you would, um, you know, that that the background or the religion that somebody, mm-hmm. you know, is in who's going through divorce. So I would think that you're able to provide tremendous, you know, insight and assistance to somebody uh, from that background. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And especially um, being in the country that I was in, because many of the women there, it's like the expats, like the people who are from there, they know what to do. They normally know where to go. They know all of this because it's their home. They're from there. But what I found in um, the community of expats is that many of them, just like I did, we felt like we didn't have anywhere to go. We felt like there was no help for us. And what I found was that that was so not true. It was so not true. They, you know, they did have ways to help us. We just needed to find out what that way, you know, was. Yeah. Now, if someone out there is listening and, um, you know, they're either separated or they're thinking of separating and they want to, you know, build their dream life, just like what you've done, um, what advice do you have for that person? To not underestimate the power of their mindset and to, and to, and to not hesitate to work on, on, on building it in, in instilling the proper beliefs systems for that are in congruence with the life that they want to have. Now you have a program called from divorce to dream life. Yes. Uh, so yes. what's, what's involved with that, that program of people or if listeners might be interested in it for my program from divorce to dream life. It's an eight week program where I offer um, one-on-one coaching with them live. It's not a recording. It's a, it's a live session. And I've built uh, the program to cover them from the beginning stages of divorce, um, dealing with their emotions, dealing with emotional trauma and healing from that, being able to set boundaries in reference to their ex-spouse, being able to discover what it is that they actually want in life, helping them to set their goals for that, and helping them to actually develop a step-by-step plan to, to get to that dream life, and then showing them the way to be able to maintain that. Right. Now, what are some of the common like roadblocks that people have in overcoming divorce and, you know, building their dream life? Are are there some common things that come up? Yes, there are some common things that come up. One of the main things that I see is women and not knowing um, that they need to heal emotionally. Or them knowing that they need to heal emotionally, but not knowing how to go about doing it. Right. 
I know for me, um, it took some time for me to really recognize how much trauma I actually had, to be honest with you. It, it took some time because for me, and I know probably many, you know, other people have been in this, the same situation. When you deal with abuse, it, it starts to reach a point where it kind of feels normal. Yeah. You know, so you don't really recognize that there's actually the trauma is as deep as it actually is and how much it's affecting your life. Because it's, it's not like it's not like trauma just stays in this one area. No, it, it impacts your life, you know, in, in every way. For sure. And I, you know, often when you're a victim of abuse too, you've been gaslit and you even start questioning whether you're, you know, crazy and you've even right. been abused, even though objectively anyone would tell you you've been abused. Part of the abuse is, you know, for you to start, you start questioning it because the abuser is constantly telling you everything is your fault. Exactly. Exactly. So I would say that that's one um, major roadblock. And I would say the other one I know from my experience, for me, one of the toughest things was being able to set boundaries because even once I feel that I was, you know, healed enough from the trauma. When I didn't have the proper boundaries, I could allow that person to come back in and trigger me all over again. Yeah, for sure. So I would say the next thing would be not setting proper boundaries, which is so important. Yeah, for sure. Especially when leaving uh, an abusive relationship, Mm -hmm. because abusers will, you know, you give them an inch, they take a mile and they can sense if your boundaries aren't firm. So they really need to be for sure. Um, Now, I always like to end podcasts on, you know, a hopeful note, an inspiring note. And I mean, your story is certainly very inspiring and I think offers a lot of hope just in and of itself Mm -hmm. to listeners. But, you know, so if someone out there is listening and they're feeling just really, you know, down and stuck and they don't know what to do, but they know they have to do something, um, you know, what do you have to say to that person about hope and whether there's hope that your life can change? Know for sure, know for sure that after every difficulty, there is always ease. That's just how it works. There is always ease. No negative or troublesome situation lasts forever. It it doesn't last forever. There have been plenty of times where I felt like, gosh, is it is it ever going to get better? Am I ever going to get out of the situation? Even up until the point when I moved me and my children from Egypt, like, I had to wait for paperwork to be ready. I didn't have their documents. There were so many things that made it seem like it just was not going to happen or, you know, like when is it going to happen? But have faith and know and have hope that things will change and they will change for the better. I promise you, you are not stuck. I know that feeling. I know it all too well. <laughs> I was, you know, in my situation for 21 years. So I definitely know what it's like to feel stuck, but you're not. You are not stuck. Those are such great words. How can listeners find you if they'd like to work with you? If they'd like to work with me, they can um, go to my website, which is www.hasna, that's spelled H A S A N A L A M I E L A M I N. Dot com, And they can actually, if they like, they can book a complimentary call with me. I've made time available and I have um, 10 spaces open for anyone who would like to do a complimentary call with me 
um, a transformational call, you know, to just help listen to you and just help you start to begin to recognize your emotions and how to deal with them. Because I, I've been there and I know what it's like. And I, I wish that someone would have been available, um, you know, to, to help me. That's amazing. So should they just reference that they um, listen to the podcast and you'll know that, um, you know, that that's how they found you? And yes, once they book the call, absolutely. Once they book the call, there'll be um, a form that they can fill out. And I ask that they please just fill that out. And sure, absolutely. They can go ahead and book a time. Um, Also, I have a podcast. They can find that on Spotify, Thrive After Divorce. So they can feel free um, to listen to that. I also have an, an ebook as well. They can um, receive that for download at www.hasna, H A S A N A L A M I N E L A M I N dot com slash gift. Well, thank you. And, and thank you so much, Hasana, for joining me today. Um, your story, as I say, it's so inspiring. And I'm really excited to be sharing it with my listeners. So thank you for joining me. You're so welcome. It's, it's been a pleasure. Well, it's, it's been a pleasure on my end. Mm-hmm. Uh, thank you to my listeners. Please like, subscribe, and join me here again next week on Divorcing Well. Hi, my name is Janet Finaki, and I'm the host of the Resilient People podcast. I interview regular people from around the world who've experienced something major in their lives, bounced back, and found a purpose in helping others be resilient too. They're folks like you and me, and their stories are totally relatable, extraordinary, and inspiring. I had no idea what I could do until I did it. But it's the motivation of doing for other people that you know need support, need help, that you're able to really push and dig and find what you can do. Have an open discussion and not write us off and allow us to actually talk about our disability. Like, don't assume my limits Mm -hmm. for me. You know, we went for a drive, told her what her mom was going through and what the likely outcome is going to happen. And we both just bawled. And then finally, Kate just said that we need to have hope. And to be resilient, you you have to have hope. Join me as we get to know some incredibly resilient people. The Resilient People Podcast is everywhere you get your podcasts. Subscribe so you don't miss an episode. Thank you for joining me on Divorcing Well. If you have any separation or divorce questions, you can get in touch with me via my website at www.leannetownsend.ca.